Hey there, small business owners. Welcome to the Tax Talk Podcast, the premier business podcast aimed at unlocking your unique potential. I'm your host, Jared Pollan, and I help my clients do three things. Find common sense business solutions, minimize tax and maximize profits, and preserve your legacy. Each podcast episode will dig deep into an everyday problem that small business owners face, and most importantly, explore solutions to these problems. Are you ready to solve problems? Are you ready to keep more of your hard-earned wealth? And are you ready to preserve your legacy? Let's get to it. So, welcome to the Tax Talk Podcast and episode number one of Bobcats, Bosses, and Breakups. So, before I provide a bit of an introduction to the episode, I would like to introduce my guest. So, Lenita is a licensed insurance broker who specializes in all areas of commercial insurance. As a broker, she feels it is essential to not only provide you with the comfort of knowing you have proper protection, but also to ensure you can easily reach out should you have any questions or concerns or to navigate claims. Anita, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. Sure, thanks for having me. Perfect. So before we kind of get into this, I want to give a bit of a background on the series, where the idea comes from, and where I'm going to be trying to take this. So I'm going back to 2007. I think I was about 22 years old then, just coming off another winter out in the patch. Get on to break up, basically waiting for the snow to come again. Decided I need to go get a job. Luckily, I was able to get a position on a flatware concrete company, I think fairly early on into break up. And I think it was within a couple of weeks that I found myself presented with a business opportunity. Had a business partner, we kind of dove right into it and just hit the ground running. Business essentially lasted for about two years and it ended up in a fairly bitter breakup. So basically what I wanna see with this series is kind of exploring that journey, those two years, looking at some of the mistakes that I made within the business and kind of trying to prevent these for other small business owners out there. And I plan on doing that by bringing in people from the Lighthouse Group networking team that I am a part of, and kind of highlighting some of their areas of specialties, having them kind of comment on some of the specific areas that uh, I ran into. So, To kind of put a little bit of a spin on it to explain the Bobcats, Bosses, and Breakups, the Bobcats, which will make sense here in a little bit, will deal with some of the operational issues of the business, the Bosses will deal with some of the management issues, and then the Breakups will deal with all the legal and financial issues. So please keep an eye out for my blog posts, upcoming videos, and hopefully you'll be able to learn learn something along the way and uh, avoid some of the mistakes I made. So, 
we are going to hop into topic number one. I will kind of give you a brief background story for this particular mistake that I had made. And this is really the basis of where this kind of podcast series comes from. So, early on to the business, it was just the two of us. We went out, signed a lease for a bobcat, and just got to work. We were in it to make money and honestly had no idea what we were doing whatsoever. It could have been more than another couple of weeks into this. And I remember, not the exact circumstances, but I was driving the Bobcat, coming out of an empty lot in Vanier Red Deer. I don't know if I was grabbing some gravel or some fill or whatever the case was. Taking it from there over to probably a driveway or a garage or something that we were working on. I remember the Bobcat just kind of getting to the edge of the sidewalk and you get that little bit of a dip down. And I remember the Bobcat just rocked forward a bit and then the teeth was just out far enough from the parked car that was right beside me that as this van came passing by, it clipped the side of the Bobcat teeth and it ripped the side of the van open, front corner panel all the way to the back. Not a great way to start a business. So, most people would be sitting here saying, oh, no big deal, let's phone up Lanita, we'll get the uh, commercial liability insurance and kind of going and we'll cover this off and we'll be good to go. We didn't have liability insurance. So we had jumped in, went to work, and now we were paying for our stupidity. So, I wanted to kind of discuss with Lanita a couple quick things on things to look for in the liability areas, um, you know, important things to consider when you're starting a business, when you're planning a business, and just general thoughts and ideas to make sure you don't make a stupid mistake and destroy a van with a bobcat. So, first question, when should a business get insurance? So, we always recommend, you know, if we're doing like a holistic approach to starting a business, that you might as well get, you know, get your quotes up front because sometimes you jump right in, you start a business and it might be age or it might be the business type, like you maybe can't even get insurance on it. And so, especially, you know, if you're a younger, you know, entrepreneur, that might be an issue. Um, and a lot of companies want prior commercial insurance history. Well, you can only get prior history if you can get insurance in the first place. So there's just, there's, there's quite a few things and quite a few reasons why it's always a good plan just to like start at the beginning. Um, so when you're you know making a business plan, I would just check around for some quotes so that way you have an idea if you can get insurance on your business idea and um, you know what kind of premiums you might be looking at if it's worthwhile. You know if you're still going to come on top after expenses, you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be you know as far as when should you get it, I would always recommend getting a quote um, and get it at the beginning. You know you might as well because otherwise you might run into a scenario where you're paying a lot of money out of your own pocket and your business idea might not be so good anymore. (laughs) Right on. No, very good, very good advice. So I guess with that in mind, is there a standard amount that 
business owners should be looking at, or does it kind of differ based on industry or risk, or mm -hmm. how should we kind of keep that in mind? Yeah, so there's definitely, um, the standard, I wouldn't say probably you wouldn't go any lower than two million for mm -hmm. a business risk, um, but it definitely can go up quite a bit from there. So we, uh, it's anywhere between two and five is probably standard for, but like the five is probably getting to be a higher risk area. So you're probably fine with a standard, you know, small business like yours um, would have been like two million would have been fine. And then that way you're just covered for anything that you're on the hook for, Perfect. you know, as long as it's covered under your policy. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So in general, is there anything else that the small business owner should kind of keep in mind with this liability policy? Like what happens, say, if I had a policy in place and I hit that bobcat, would it make sense to phone you? Should I phone the insurance company directly? Mm -hmm. Should I try and negotiate cash kind of up front and avoid the insurance if at all possible? What do you think would be my best route? So the best route for any like in potential insurance claim is to always call your broker okay. because that way your broker is not opening a claim. They're not you know, causing any issues with your policy. They're just going to like look at your policy details and tell you, you know, A, is it covered? And then they're gonna probably give you recommendations on to whether it's worth claiming or like you said, whether it's worth trying to work out a cash deal. Perfect. I think that basically sums up the general liability. I think we will move to the next issue that I found. So in year one, it was just me and my business partner. We didn't have any employees at the time, but going into the second season of flat work, we decided, you know, we need to expand. Can't be working 18 hours a day, the two of us. So it's time to bring on some employees. So having a bit of, you know, small business background with my, my family, I kind of had an idea of the, the payroll costs and that type of thing that would be associated with it. But I honestly had no idea whatsoever that bringing on these people onto a policy for work vehicles would be such a nightmare. And I honestly remember one individual, he started fairly early on that second year, great worker, caught on real quick, but the chances of him being on the policy were just non-existent. It would have been extremely prohibitive to the company to add him on, and we just said, no, forget it. So yeah. he essentially had to just kind of tow around with other people, and it was okay, I guess, during the busy season where you could kind of put together a crew and get them out and about, but as things kind of dwindled off in the fall again, it made it hard to keep them on because you can't just send them around and make them walk with equipment and stuff like that. So it just, it did work and it wasn't feasible. So it made it hard on the hiring side, kind of once we figured it out too, because in the concrete industry, it seemed to kind of attract the people that had some not so great driving mm -hmm. records. So are there any suggestions that you might have Say for instance, I'm starting up the business, should I kind of be looking ahead at getting a quote on the auto side of things, even though maybe I'm not looking at hiring right away? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a couple pieces, depending on, like, so let's say you're starting a business that doesn't require use of your vehicle, well then you can just leave it personally insured for you, you know yourself to drive. 
But then, yeah, if you start looking at adding employees, um, you're going to want probably upon the hiring process, you know, anytime they're going to be driving one of your vehicles, you're going to require an abstract because that will give you a good idea of, you know, if there's going to be any significant extra cost to adding them onto your policy. Um, and again, you're going to run into probably issues where some might not be able to be added onto your policy. So then right. you can't probably necessarily hire them just based off that. Gotcha. So it's something definitely to keep in mind as you're starting up hiring people that has to just kind of be a part of the hiring process. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. No, that makes sense. So is there anything in particular that I should be looking for when I hire an employee to ensure that my premium stays low? Like is there you know, maybe a certain threshold of tickets or yeah. any other things that I should kind of be looking at when I go over that abstract? Mm -hmm. So typically I would say threshold for tickets would be you know, two or more is just too okay. many. Um, it's gonna create a lot of issues for yourself and your policy. Uh, not not all companies, you know, run that rule, but I would say that's a, a good rule of thumb. Okay. Um, and then, like accidents, again, you know, if they have more than one at fault accident in the last like six years, um, then again, you could run into issues and just significant surcharges on your policy. Okay. Um, and so that's if they, you know, have to be directly added on to right. your, your. And so if you only have a couple company vehicles, they do usually have to be directly added onto your policy okay. as a driver. Um, if you start to be a big company with like a fleet of vehicles, um, then each individual isn't rated it's, per se. It's more just a kind of an overall risk. Oh, okay. to, yeah, okay. scenario, but yeah. Okay. So probably for the general small business owner, then it's going to be fairly important to kind of look at some mm -hmm. of that early on because you're not going to be able to diversify that risk across a fleet. Exactly. With a it's going to be vehicles. directly like surcharged. Yeah. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Perfect. So I think, and I have a bit of a hard time remembering this detail, but I think what ended up happening is we were able to kind of work around it in the fact that the employee was able to have his own personal vehicle and then he was able to come to our shop to pick up the truck and then just kind of drive it around during the day. And then it was kind of specifically on the policy that way. And I think at that point it made it feasible to have them on. Does that make a significant difference if the employee is taking the vehicle home at night versus not? Does that kind of impact the policy in any way? Yeah, there definitely is. Um, it is impacted based upon like what kind of use. Yeah, if it's like okay. if you're taking it home, um, it does have an impact on it. Um, you know, and in certain scenarios, maybe, yeah, with someone who has a, a higher risk, you know, driving record, um, they could look at maybe talking to their insurance company and, like, just, you know, maybe seeing if they can just bring their vehicle to work and use it oh, for, okay. for work purposes. Um, but it does, it's one of those things that's very, it varies a lot. Um, and so it's kind of, you have to just present each risk um, to the insurance company um, to get, like, a really solid idea because there's not necessarily, you know, it's not, um, I guess there's not hard, fast rules to a lot of it. It's just okay. kind of each company will assess the risk and some will be open to it and some won't. So, um, but it will have an effect on the premiums, that, you know, to how much they're using it. So, yeah. Fair enough. No, that makes sense. And then I guess the other thing then too, and this was kind of something that, again, I didn't figure out until after the fact, but if I start up a small business, let's say carrying around some jewels or whatever the case is. It's my understanding that I need to move into a commercial policy versus just kind of a personal one. 
And then it's my understanding then too that you need to then change the registration on the vehicle as well to have it commercially licensed, is that mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, there's, there's some gray area depending on what kind of use of your personal vehicle, what kind of work it is, okay. uh, what kind of tools you have. Um, that all plays a factor because some of it can be just put into what's called business use that's on your personal policy, okay. um, and it will fit under that guideline. The, but then some of it would you know, fall outside of that, and that's when you have to start exploring the commercial side. Okay. Um, again, just something, if there's changes coming, you know, whether it's you know, a new business idea or whatever, I would just contact your broker, okay. and they'll be able to give you the best advice as to whether you're gonna be doing something that could void your insurance policy, you know? Because that's the biggest thing. With, if you start kind of in that gray area, right. there's a good chance if something happens while you're out doing a small job, that your private insurance or personal insurance company, they might back out on the claim and say that you're not covered. So that's the biggest thing. It's just that there's changes coming in your your, your vehicle use or whatever, I would just um, definitely get conduct your broker and sure. get some ideas of what they would recommend. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think kind of the general idea then would be to maybe plan ahead, yeah, talk to that broker early and make sure that you know, even if you're thinking about doing something, to just mm -hmm. kind of nail down those changes before you implement them because it's probably a lot cheaper to yes. speak to the broker than it is to Don't fix a van after the fact or hire an employee that is not able to work on the policy. Mm -hmm. Well, and we've seen too, like people get really far into a business idea and then come to the point of trying to find insurance and there maybe isn't an option for them. And so they might be already invested thousands of dollars into this business idea, and then they're really upset because they can't get insurance, and it's, it's just not. Um, commercial insurance, they don't, ha no, no company has to provide it. Right. Whereas like personal auto and stuff in oh. Alberta, it's an all comers market. So you are guaranteed that oh, each company okay. has to give you the base li liability. Right. And so, like, commercial just isn't that way. So you could come up with a really great idea, but if a commercial insurance company doesn't agree, then you kind of could be on the hook. So, yeah. And that's a really good point to remember. Because, I mean, I would imagine you could get down the road. Maybe you've invested some money. Yeah. You've probably spent a bit of time and effort to get to a point, and then maybe you've landed a contract. Mm -hmm. Now you need some insurance for that. Oh, exactly. And you could be sitting there holding the bag and yeah, like we're financing. People like have gotten like you know to the point where they want like or they've gotten financing, but then they need proof of insurance and just different things. Yeah, it's there's definitely less. Talk to the broker Talk ahead broker. of time. Yeah. Perfect. So, any tips for small business owners that you think might be useful that we haven't covered here? I think. Those are a lot of the main ones. Okay. Um, just talk to your broker first before you come up with any, or make any changes. You right. know? It's just always, that way you're making changes based off all of the information at hand. For sure. so, yeah. Okay, perfect. No, that makes sense. So, Lanita, I would just like to say thanks again for uh, taking the time to kind of come in and hop on the podcast. Of course. Um, I know you've provided a lot of great details here for everybody and a lot of value. And... Um, I know there's a lot of things that you know I could have implemented as a small business owner from this discussion, and I'm hoping that uh, you guys will be able to as well. So, if your listeners want to touch base with you, what's the kind of easiest way to do that? 
So publicly, like, cell phone number is always easy to get a hold of me. Okay. Um, and so I can get that, if you can Yep, I'll put, put that, that in the show notes, for sure. Yeah, perfect. And, um, you know, um, I'm on social media. So perfect. you can find me under my, my first and last name. So Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For Jared Pallon, I uh, want to thank you again for listening. Take care, and we will talk soon.